Well, hey guys, welcome to The Bridge Online. My name is Kurt. I serve with our Do Good Ministry here at The Bridge, and it's an honor and a privilege to speak to you guys this week. And so we're kicking off a brand new series that we're calling God Is... Now let me ask you something. How would you fill in the rest of that statement? Maybe you want to put it in the chat right there. God is what? You know, there's a quote by a, a well-known pastor and author of the, the early um, 1900s, early to middle 1900s, A.W. Tozer. And he says this, he says, what comes into your minds when you think about God is the most important thing about you. What comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. God is blank. How would you fill in that blank? Over the next three weeks, we're going to take three of God's attributes and we're going to unpack them for you. Now, you got to give us a little grace, okay? I mean, Kenny's from Satsuma, Alabama. Marshall's from Nacogdoches and went to Stephen F. Austin. And I have a twin brother that's a lot smarter than me. So, I, you know, I don't know, man. But we're going to try our best to unpack who God is. Now, I've always been pretty good at, you know, displaying things, you know, maybe artistic or whatever. I, I want to show you something. I made this. Now, I don't know if you've ever seen a wiener dog. You probably have. But this is one that I, that I made back in elementary school. And so you can tell I'm, I'm quite the artist, okay? I'm, I'm pretty good at this. Like, if you need to know what something's like, let me make a, a model for you so you can see. Honestly, it's a piece of junk, and I don't know why my dad kept it for so many years. Maybe just to remind himself of what a dumb kid he had. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. But he kept it. And, and it, you know, when I look at it now, I'm like, man, that's a piece of junk. And no matter how good of a job we do at explaining God to you, because we're going to try our best, and we're going to open God's Word and see what His Word has to say about who He is. But no matter how good of a job we do, our words are going to fall flat in some instances. Because God is unapproachable. He's so magnificent. He's so perfect that our words as humans are always going to fall short. But I want you to hang with us. And, and this is important. I want you to be here all three weeks because you need to get the full scope of it. The three attributes that we picked are important and they, they, they go together and you need to hear the whole story. And so today I want to start with God is holy. God is holy. And I want to start that by, by reading a passage out of the book of Isaiah. And this is where the prophet Isaiah was called into the ministry, where God called him to be the prophet. And a prophet is simply somebody that carries the message. He's a messenger for God. In the Old Testament, God would speak to these prophets and they would turn around and speak to the people on behalf of God, much like a preacher. Okay, so Isaiah uh, chapter 6, starting in verse 1. It says, in the year that King Uzziah had died, I saw the Lord high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying. Now, it's important, it says, in the year that King Uzziah died. You see, Uzziah was a good king. He made some mistakes at the end of his life, but he was overall, he was a really good king and the nation was mourning and Isaiah would have been mourning. And so he goes into the temple and, and he, he sees God. He sees this vision of God. And, and I think it's significant because though the throne of Judah was now empty, 
Isaiah saw that the throne of heaven was, was filled. The throne of heaven was filled by the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the God who's always on his throne. He's always been on his throne. He always will be on his throne. And he wanted to give Isaiah a glimpse of that. It's okay, Isaiah, in the midst of your heartache, in the midst of the, the heartache of the nation, I'm still on my throne. And I think that's an important thing. It says, above him there were seraphim, each with six wings. Now, I'll be honest with you. I, I don't really understand this part like why why six wings i don't know i mean there's all kinds of commentaries there's all kinds of theologians that will explain what each set of wings meant but here's what i do know they had wings covering their eyes and i think that's significant because even the angelic beings even the the the, the host of heaven couldn't look upon god because he's so magnificent he's so holy that they couldn't even look at him so even the angelic beings had to cover their eyes Throughout all history, men have wanted to see the face of God, and God says no. Moses got to see the backside of God one time, and he came down from the mountain, and his face was shining so bright that the people had to, had to run in fear, and he had to cover his face just from seeing the backside of God. So these, these seraphim are flying around, and I want you to see what they're doing. In verse 3, it says, And they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is filled with his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and the threshold shook and the temple was filled with smoke. These seraphim, these, these heavenly creatures were flying around and they're singing back and forth to each other, singing to God, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is filled with his glory. Now, in English, when we want to emphasize something, we, you know, we'll, we'll underline it, we'll maybe put it in bold font, or we'll put an exclamation point behind it. Well, in, 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 in this day, if they wanted to emphasize something, they often use repetition. And so we see that throughout the Bible. You know, Jesus says, truly, truly, I say to you, or there's other instances. There's even a few instances where things are said three times. But there's only one time when an attribute or a characteristic of God is said three times. And that is holy, holy, holy. Nowhere else in scripture, it doesn't call God love, love, love. It doesn't say God is justice, justice, justice. It doesn't say he's mercy, mercy, mercy. It says God is holy, holy, holy. And that's important for you to realize. You see, holiness is, is at the center of who God is. Holiness is at the center of who he is and it impacts all of the other attributes about him. His love is a holy love. His justice is a holy justice. His mercy is a holy mercy. And I want to help you understand, I want to help us understand, what does this word holy mean? And, and there's a lot of synonyms for, for what holy means, but I think the best one might be unique. God is unique. He's sacred. He's set apart. He's one of a kind. He's in a class of, his, of its own. God is holy. It's, it's not just being morally pure, though that's part of it, but it's a broader term. It, it speaks to having this power to create the whole world. God is the only being that has the power to create this world. He's holy. I heard it, I saw a metaphor, I saw a, a video and, and it had this metaphor. It used the sun as a metaphor of God's holiness and I like it. Because if we think about the sun, we think about the sun, the sun is unique. There's nothing really like the sun. The sun is powerful. And the sun is the source of life. 
So in a sense, you could say the sun is holy. Okay, and not only is the sun itself holy, but all the area around the sun could be considered holy. Because we know that the closer you get to the sun, the more intense it gets. Even to the point where the closer you get to the sun, it will eventually annihilate you. And now, here, here's the paradox when it comes to the heart of God's holiness. Because God's holiness is a good thing. God's holiness is a great thing. But when things that are impure get too close to God's holiness, it can be dangerous. It is dangerous. Because God is holy, because he's so set apart, because he's so unlike us or anything else, he can have nothing to do with wickedness. He can have nothing to do with evil. He can have nothing to do with sin. And so the more impure something is, the more danger it is as the closer it gets to God. He's so set apart. He's so unique. He's so unlike us, our words fall short. My words fall short this morning in explaining what does it mean that God is holy? But here's what I do know. His ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. In Isaiah, it says that his name is holy. He's so unlike us. He's so pure. He's so majestic. He's holy. And the, the, the heavenly creatures, the heavenly beings don't only say it once, they repeat it. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And so here's my question for us. And here's what I want to unpack using this story of Isaiah. How do we respond to such a holiness? How do we respond to a God that's so perfect, so pure, so set apart that he can have nothing to do with wickedness? And let's continue in the story and we'll find out how Isaiah responded. Verse 5, Isaiah sees the beings and they're singing, holy, holy, holy. And Isaiah's response is, woe to me. Woe to me, or woe is me, some translations say it. Woe to me, I cried, I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips. And I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. He says, woe to me. You see, when Isaiah sees God for who he really is, it changes his perspective. It changes his perspective. You see, when we see God how he really is, then we can see ourselves how we really are. And Isaiah's response, which is our response, is what our response should be, is to repent. It's to repent, and that's what Isaiah did. He saw his dirtiness, he saw his uncleanliness, and he was broken by it. He was broken by it. He literally said, I'm undone, I'm coming unraveled. In light of who you are, God, in light of your holiness, I see who I am and I repent. And what repent means is just to agree with God that your sin is wicked. Your sin is wrong. You agree with God and you turn from your way of doing things and you turn to him. And that's what Isaiah is doing in this moment. I started thinking about this and you know what I think the problem is? I think the problem is that we use the wrong standard to measure ourselves. Like, like for, for instance, I might go and be like, man, you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm better than my friends or I'm better than this group of people in my small group or I'm, you know, I'm, I'm really a better person than my neighbors or whatever it might be. Maybe you're like that. I don't know. I'm, I'm probably not better than those people. <laughs> I don't know. But 
I, I feel like that's the standard we, we use a lot of times. Like as long as I'm better than this group of people, as long as I'm not as bad as them, then I'm okay. It's, it's kind of like when I was growing up, I, I thought I was good at ping pong, right? My, my grandparents had a ping pong table and we used to go there and, 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 and man, we would play ping pong and I would just smoke my brother in ping pong, right? He, he might lie to you and tell you different, but I would smoke him all the time. And I thought I was really good. Well, then we go over to some friends' houses one day and they're like, hey, you guys want to play some ping pong? I'm like, sure, man. I probably was talking smack, probably honestly, because I thought I was good. I'm probably like, yeah, man, I'll smoke you, whatever. You know, and we get on the ping pong table and I had never seen somebody put spin on the ball like this. I, it, it was a whole nother level, right? I thought I was good, but I was just measuring myself by the standard of my brother. And that, that standard honestly wasn't very high, right? And then I saw what a good ping pong player looked like and I realized, man, I don't even come close. Or it's like eating a steak. You know, like you go to Golden Corral or something. Like maybe if that's the only steak you've ever had, you're like, mmm, this steak is good. Like, man, pass that A1 sauce, right? Well, whatever, the bold and spicy kind, whatever kind you like, I don't know. But let me tell you something. If that's the only steak you've ever eaten, you're, you're missing out. Like, go to Perry's, go to Taste of Texas. You taste the steak and it's on a whole nother level. You see, you see, this is what we do with our sin. This is what we do with our lives. We think we're good people because we measure ourselves on the standard with other people. But God is holy and he's the standard. And when we see ourselves in light of his holiness, our response is just like Isaiah. It should be, woe to me. Woe is me. He's literally calling down curses upon himself and saying, I'm coming undone. I'm coming unraveled because I see who I am. And this guy was a prophet. He was a good man. We would have thought he was top of the list. And he sees himself in God's standard. And he realizes his failures. He realizes his sin. And he repents. That's what we're called to do. You know, there's an example, another example in the Old Testament is Job. And Job was a man who was, he's called a godly man in, in the beginning of the book. And all kinds of bad things start happening to Job. He loses his family. He loses his livelihood. He loses his health. And he starts to question God. And he really starts to, um, to, to, to question him in the book. It's an interesting book of the Bible. You should read it sometime. But in chapter 38, uh, from chapter 38 to chapter 41, God responds to Job. He spends four chapters unpacking to Job. He says, look, man, who are you? Like, like Job, where were you when I laid out the foundations of this earth? Where were you when I created the seas and told them, you got to stop right here. You can't go any further. He goes on to talk about the animals and the stars and all, the, all of his creation. And he says, Job, where were you when I did all that? Where were you? This is Job 42, um, verse 2 and 3. He says, I know you can do all things. No purpose of yours can be thwarted. You ask, who is this that obscures my plans without knowledge? God, surely I spoke of things I did not understand, things too wonderful for me to know. And then in verse 5, he says this, and listen to this. He says, my ears had heard of you, but now my eyes see you. Therefore, I despise myself and repent and dust and ashes. He says, God, I, I thought I knew you, but God, you opened my eyes to see you in a new way, to see you in a way I've never seen you before. And my response is to repent. I love that. When we see God's holiness, our first response is to repent. 
But God doesn't leave us there. And, and, and God's a good God. And, and we're going to get into this the next couple of weeks. But I can't leave us there either. And, and the story of Isaiah doesn't leave, leave him in this low spot. Listen what God does for Isaiah. In verse 6, he says, Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand from the altar. And with it he touched my mouth and he said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin is atoned for. God sent one of the, the angelic beings. He sent him to touch Isaiah's lips, to purify him, to cleanse him of his sins. And you know what? He has that same offer for you. And it's through his son, Jesus, that he's sent to die on the cross. God doesn't leave us in that spot. He wants us to come to a spot where we recognize his holiness and our lack of holiness. And he wants us to repent, but he doesn't leave us in that spot. He gives you an opportunity to be cleansed by the blood of Jesus. Just like he cleansed Isaiah, he wants to cleanse you by, by, by you simply calling out and believing and trusting in his son, Jesus, and the work he did on the cross. What an amazing God this is. What an amazing God this is that loves us so much. And then our second response is this. We see it as we go on in the story. Verse 8, Isaiah says this, Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, Here I am, Lord, send me. Here I am, send me. And I wrote it down as this. Our second response is simply to surrender when we realize God's holy, when we, when we see ourselves in light of that, we repent and then we say, God, here I am. Use me. Send me, God. An example of this in the Bible that I think about is, is Paul. You know, Paul was Saul before he was Paul and he was a righteous man. He, he followed the law. He, he, he described himself as a Pharisee of Pharisees, a Hebrew of Hebrews. As to the law, he said he was faultless. Right? He was a good man in, in the religious sense of the word. And he's walking down the street. He's, he's going to a town to persecute Jesus followers. And he meets Jesus himself on the road. He says that he's blinded by a light. And he hits the ground and he says, who, who, who are you? The voice, the voice calls out to him. It's God calling out to him saying, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And Saul says, who are you? And he says, I am Jesus. And Jesus is God in the flesh. He's, he's holy. He's perfect. He's set apart. And Paul sees that and Paul surrenders to Jesus. He spends the rest of his life traveling around, sharing the good news of Jesus, planting churches, even to the point of giving his life up for it. He was fully surrendered. Once he's, his eyes were open and he saw the holiness of God, he surrendered to him. And he spent the rest of his life sharing the good news of Jesus. And then finally, this is our response. I, I, I want you to hear this. Finally, our response, it, it's, it's back in verse 3 and 4. And I, I kind of breezed over verse 4, but I want to go back to it. Verse 3, and they, the, the seraphim, they were calling out to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of His glory. And at the sound of their voices, the doorpost and the threshold shook and the temple was filled with smoke. Our third response is to worship. Now, worship is, is done with our mouths through song, yes, but worship is also our lives. We're called to worship God with our lives, that everything we do would be for God's glory, that it would be a display of who God is through our lives, through our acts of, act of worship. 
but we can join with these angelic beings that are still around the throne. The book of Revelation describes it. They're still around the, the throne crying, scre uh, uh, singing this song together. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And we have the privilege, we have the honor to join with them, to worship God. He's so worthy of our worship. I think about all the things that I worship in my life that fall so short. There's only one thing that's worthy of our worship, that's worthy of our lives, and that's God. And I pray that this morning you would see him for who he really is. I pray that he would give you a glimpse of his holiness. And I pray that your response and my response would be just like Isaiah's, that we would repent, that we would surrender to him, and we would live our lives as an act of worship to him. Let me pray for us today. God, I thank you. God, I thank you that you are higher than any thoughts we could have, that you are uh, so big that God, honestly, we can't even really understand the bigness and the holiness um, that you possess. God, I pray this morning, I pray for anybody that maybe has never experienced your love, your, your cleansing like Isaiah got to experience. God, I, I, I thank you that through the blood of Jesus, we can experience that same cleansing. God, so I pray for anybody this morning or, or, or any time that's listening to this, God, that they would surrender their lives to you, that they would trust in Jesus and the work that he did on the cross. God, I pray for the rest of us that you would give us a, a fresh view of your holiness this morning, and God, that we would respond. God, help us to love you. Help us to, to follow you. Help us to surrender to you. And God, help us to worship you. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen.